Hi, everyone, and welcome to Needlepoint Scoop, a Needlepoint podcast. I am your host, Mary Catherine, and I am so glad that you are joining us in this new year and for this new season. Thank you and welcome. Um, like I said, new year, new season, new name, Needlepoint Scoop. That is the right name for this podcast. If you have not had a chance to listen to our first season from last year, I would invite you to please do so. There's some wonderful converse conversations with some remarkable guests, and I hope that you check those out if you have not already done so. You So you can listen to season one um, if you haven't already done so on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or you can watch us here on YouTube. So thanks. If you want to find out a little bit more about me and the shows, um, you can go to needlepointscoop.com, which is my website as a needlepoint designer. And um, yeah, so you can check us out there and follow uh, me on Instagram. And I'm now on TikTok, y'all. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, but you can find me there, Mary Catherine Needlepoint. So I hope you follow along and um, say hello. And um, if you like what you hear, if you like the show, please tell all your friends. Um, okay, so I hope everyone had a great holiday. It's the new year. I'll tell you, I had the flu the week before Thanksgiving, which was not very fun. But thankfully, it did not last that long, and I recovered pretty quickly. But I still spent a lot of downtime. The fever broke after, let's say, 72 hours. But I was still pretty pooped. So um, I spent a lot of time um, on my iPad, as you can imagine. And I love reading the New York Times. And there was an article that was published over the Christmas holiday. And I can't, I think it was the 26th. It was entitled Knitting Helps Us Embrace Life's Messy Imperfections. And um, it was an opinion in the opinion section. And um, it says, Knitting Helps Us Embrace Life's Messy Imperfections. Crafters across Britain speak to how knitting can help us heal even at our most broken. And the writer of this short um, article wrote a docu uh, produced a documentary uh, about knitting. And it was a response to her mother had developed dementia and she had been a long time knitter and she was no longer able to read the knitting patterns. So her daughter, the filmmaker and animator, the daughter's an animator, her name is Samantha Moore, um, taught herself how to knit from YouTube tutorials. And she said, you know, once she learned how to knit and she sort of grew to love the hobby. At the same time, her mother's health was declining. She really began to understand the solace and the power of textile arts that, that knitting can bring. 
Um, so she ended up interviewing all of these different knitters and she heard all of their stories where they talked about how knitting helped them find a space to process their grief or help them deal with life's frustrations or health struggles. And as you can imagine, as a needle pointer, someone who appreciates textile arts, I, you know, immediately felt connected to her story. And there are so many things, whether she was talking about knitting, there were obviously lots of things in common with needlepoint. No surprise there. And um, anyway, so she, she goes on and she knitted the characters in this animated um, short documentary. And um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a special, it's a special little article and a special little short film. And um, the last line, she says, you know, sometimes emotional repair can be found in something as simple as a skein of yarn. So, you know, that's sort of what we talked about in season one, all the ways we sort of asked the question, what makes Needlepoint so special? Why do people love this hobby and this craft so very much? And it was because of all these wonderful values and gifts that Needlepoint offers us through different times in our lives. Um, the gifts of peace and balance and community and creativity. Um, many of the guests, obviously from season one, talked about processing grief and postpartum depression and life changes. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just prayer and meditation, um, their spiritual practice, how that is connected to needlepoint. So there's so many ways that this, this hobby is so special and the reason it's so, so special to so many of us and we, it really resonates with us. Um, so obviously I thought about needlepoint in reading this article. Since then, I've seen several people that I follow on Instagram that have shared this article, which is super cool. Um, so you, you may have already seen it, but if you haven't, check it out. Knitting helps us embrace life, messy imperfections. Um, New York Times. But while I'm lying in bed with my iPad and scouring, the, I don't know, I guess the New York Times app, I don't know. Um, I, you would have thought I would have, I'm not that bored. I mean, I had, I guess I had better, I don't know, who knows. I read this article and I go down. What I'm saying is that sounds really boring. I should have been like scouring cooler things than the New York Times. But I guess I'm not cooler. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is I, y'all, I go down this rabbit hole. This needlepoint, New York Times textile arts rabbit hole of articles and I hit gold my friends gold I tell you I strike gold 
And there's an article that is so fabulous. I have to share with you. Okay. This article is entitled The Needlepoint Boom. Any pattern, any color, and plenty of advice. Now, what I want to say before I start reading this article to you is this article is from, drumroll please, 1974. Keep this in mind while you're listening. 1974. It's from July 27th, 1974. That's almost 50 years ago. Folks, it's 2024. This is from 1974. And it's entitled The Needlepoint Boom Any Pattern, Any Color, and Plenty of Advice. And it's by Lisa Hamill. The insatiable demand for new needlepoint designs and new surfaces on which to apply them is steadily growing. Needlepoint may now well head the list of popular crafts. Shops have been on the increase. There are more kits around for the beginner or for those who don't want to invest too much. There's a seemingly endless array of individual designs to choose from. And there's not much you can think of making that can't be done in needlepoint. Almost all needlepoint shops have their own staff of artists or freelancers to produce the designs, which are hand-painted on mesh canvas. One then buys the yarn to match the colors in the canvas painting and begins to fill it in. Needlepoint can also be had in less expensive kits in which the designs are screened or stamped on and the necessary yarn is included in the package. The advantage of hand-painted canvas, usually done in oils, is that the design is more exact and thus easier to follow. But supposing you want something custom, custom designed, especially for you, like a pet portrait or an adaptation of your wallpaper. No problem. Virtually all shops producing their own designs will also do custom work. What are the new designs? Animals are now all the rage, ranging from almost photographically naturalistic to whimsical to just plain cute. Florals are running a close second in this current expression of interest in nature. But almost gone are the Rococo pa pastel flowers that used to universally cover footstools and Victorian chairs. Another theme enjoying considerable vogue is anything oriental. There are a multitude of patterns adapted from oriental rugs, particularly the Chinese and Turkish. The hugely successful tapestry show at the Metropolitan Museum of Art this winter set off not only a rash of unicorn tapestry reproductions, imitations, and adaptations, but also whet the appetite for medieval-looking tapestries of all sorts. Abstract geometrics and optical designs were popular for a few years and are still around, but have largely 
been replaced by a zooming interest in Bargello, in which a pattern of stitches is begun on blank canvas and then repeated while the whole canvas is filled in. And what are people putting all this needlework on? Pillows are still the outstanding favorite, but rugs are coming in strong. Chair seats are also getting a lot of attention, but not just the single odd chair. Today, people are doing the whole dining room. And the pillow canvases are often framed rather than stuffed and used as a wall hanging, as many as are many of the tapestry like canvases. Items that can be inserted under or within lucite proved quite popular. Lots of people are making backgammon boards which are then inserted under lucite trays made especially for the purpose and sold, complete with backgammon pieces, dice, and cup. Lucite lamp bases, desk accessories, tray inserts, and ice buckets are also being fitted with completed needlework. There are also, of course, still all the old standbys from bell pulls to eyeglass cases to doorstops. And who is doing all of this needle pointing? Gone are the days when the mainstay of the business was the affluent dowager driving up in her chauffeured car. The needlepoint crowd has gotten younger shop owners report, and affluence is no longer a criterion. Nor is needlepointing confined almost exclusively to women, males from young boys to retired business executives, compromise from a quarter to a half of the clientele, it was reported. Y'all. Okay, the end, and then there's pictures of a pug dog pillow and a Beatrix Potter hanging and a backgammon board and a chair with a monkey and a flower and a footstool and a lucite ice bucket. The end. Y'all. Okay. <clears throat> when I read this, I was blown away by. the common themes that we are seeing today in Needlepoint that were present in 1974. So I think that it's fabulous that we are talking about this industry growing and um, you know, things have been on the right. The business is booming. That's the name, the needlepoint boom. Um, it talks about beginner kits. I have seen so much stuff on, which I love. There's so much, I mean, I, I'm have, I, I'm talking about beginners, 
um, a lot because there's so many people who want to learn how to needlepoint. So they're talking about needlepoint kits, um, being around for get beginners. They also are talking about, they're commenting on price. So we're talking about people who don't want to invest too much money, finding ways to make needlepoint accessible, which is like something we talk about a lot, or I hear a lot of conversation about um, in, you know, this arena. So I think that's so fun. Obviously, we talk about, yes, okay, so accessibility, beginners, it's a boom. Same is true in 2024. And here we are in 1974 that they're writing about this. I love an adaptation of your wallpaper, y'all, a pet portrait. Yes. People still want to stitch their pets. Um, I'll tell you, I have pets coming to you this spring um, of my pet. Yeah, I, we have a pet thing coming out soon. Um, so, yes, people are still stitching their pets. The best is the adaptation of wallpaper. We talk about new designs, whimsical and just plain cute. So much of what um, I think is out there is... I would use whimsical and cute to describe a lot of the designs that we're seeing today. So I think that's some newness. Um, animals, maybe not so much, but I mean, I just did a collection of Christmas wild safari animals with presents on them. So it's just so fascinating. We talk about florals. Um, then she goes in and she talks about geometric designs that we continue to see, particularly um, in belts and wearable things. Um, anyway, I think it's so fun. Okay. This is the best pillows. She doesn't say anything about ornaments. Okay. So I, I think that's, you know, needlepoint ornaments um, were not taught 50 years ago, but things like rugs were number two. Pillows, outstanding favorite, favorite chairs, and not only, I love how they say this, not only, not just the single odd chair, people are doing the whole dining room, um, which, you know, I think that I, I will say this about the size of these pieces. You know, I think um, there, if you have never stitched a big piece, I would encourage you, I mean, I've never stitched a rug, but I've stitched a stocking, I've stitched pillows, um, I've stitched some large pieces. And if you are looking for needlepoint, hand-painted needlepoint to be more accessible, when you're stitching a lot of ornaments, the price, it can get very expensive because you're purchasing the canvas, you're purchasing the threads. Um, if you don't have, if you are a new stitcher and you don't have a stash um, of threads that you can kind of dig into, which, you know, you can reuse some threads that you've used for other designs. So if you're stitching an ornament and you're having to buy threads every time for an ornament and then the, the you can stitch an ornament very very quickly um <clears throat> so you're finished you do having a lot of finishing cost and you know i think that one of the things i mean i think i was like 20 and 20 20 and 2020 was when that started um stitching 20 ornaments 
in 2020, which I'll tell you, I did at that point, I had not stitched a lot of ornaments. I'd stitched mostly large pieces because I was a new stitcher and I wanted a new ish stitcher. And I wanted, I didn't, I wanted, I wanted to be surrounded by needlepoint. So I wanted needlepoint pillows. I wanted pillows in every room of my home. I wanted key fobs and I wanted, um, coasters and scissor cases. I just wanted things that I could use and touch throughout the year because ornaments felt sort of very daunting because I loved, I mean, I wanted a needlepoint tree, but I wanted the whole tree. So I I didn't really get that excited about an ornament because I wanted to stitch. I wanted all of the ornaments, I guess. If that makes sense. I don't know. So I, so I did a lot of big things, but then in 2020, in 2020, I was like, okay, this is my chance. I'm just going to do all ornaments this year. When I had stitched lots of pillows, like I said, big things. Um, prior to 2020, um, I stitched all ornaments in 2020. And now, granted, it was a great year. I think I ended up doing. I, I I did more than 20. I didn't do 30, but I think I did like 25, 26, 26, something like that. And I mean, there was a great way to get that needlepoint tree that I wanted um, because I made a lot of progress in that year. But there, there was a lot of, that was an expensive year because there were 26 pieces that needed to be finished. Now, granted, an ornament is not as expensive to finish as a pillow, but it kind of doesn't, you think it sort of balances out, but it almost, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it enough, but I guess um, it, it sort of doesn't balance out. So if I could stitch three or four pillows in the previous year, I'm sure I spent more money the year that I did all the ornaments. So all of this to say, I think big projects, um, I don't want to say big projects need to make a comeback. I don't, I don't even have that. I'm not here to tell you what needs to make a com- comeback. But what I will tell you is that if you have not, if you've never stitched a large project, I would encourage you to do so because there's a lot of joy that comes from a bigger project and there are different lessons that that big project is going to teach you from what some of the smaller ones are. Certainly there's, you know, there's a quick, um, you know, instant gratification on the completion of a small project. And maybe you do some small projects in the middle of a large project. But I think it's really interesting um, reading this article made me think more about the size of projects. And I do. I love a pillow. Um, A rug. Oh, that's so overwhelming. I just don't even know. But a chair, a dining room chair. Oh, how fabulous would it be to really do dining room chairs? 
to have done them, but to make them your own. You know, I see them so many times when I am shopping around at, uh, you know, antique shops where you see needlepoint chairs, but I don't know. I want somebody to do some chairs. Um, but there's some stools. I mean, I think about my friend Jessica. She did a fabulous stool, piano benches, all those things. Okay, big projects. That's my spiel on big projects. Um, and then, y'all, inserts. They're like, they're not, they're, excuse me, self-finishing. But inserted under or thin, talking about Lucite. So acrylic. They're doing acrylics in 1974, which, you know, obviously acrylics have been around. But I think that we have um, just really seen an influx in the last few years or months, really, um, of the use of acrylics in finishing. Um, backgammon boards, love it. I love it. Lots of people are making backgammon boards, they say, which are inserted under lucite trays. Backgammon boards. Yeah. Okay. I want to do a backgammon board for sure. That's on my bucket list. I love a lucite lamp base. I've never seen one of those. If somebody has a lucite lamp base, if you have a lamp based, a lamp-based needlepoint something, please share it and tag me because I want to see it. Talk about trays, inserts, and ice buckets. Oh, my gosh. Totally obsessed about the ice bucket. We can make this happen. But I want to make a round ice bucket I don't know how would you do that there has to be a way a round ice bucket or it could be a square ice bucket and then I guess you could do a flat anyway I'm like my head is exploding over land bases and ice buckets I've seen my friend Amy has a trash can she has a darling trash can in her a waste bag. You probably don't call it. A, I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm gonna start coughing. Don't laugh. Okay. You don't probably don't call it a trash can. You probably call it a waste basket. But there's probably something even fancier than that. That doesn't even sound right. It's not a needlepoint trash can, Amy. It's a needlepoint waste basket. There has to be somebody. I need like, I need somebody to like, I can like look stuff up. For me, you know, like, so we could be, what's the name of a, what's a fancy name for a wastebasket? I need like, an, anyway. Okay. And also who is doing all this needle pointing gone are the days when the mainstay of the business was the affluent dowager driving up in her chauffeured car. The crowd is getting younger and you don't have to have a chauffeur to needle point. That being said, needle point is not inexpensive. It, it is a luxury that we have the time and the energy and the resources and the funds to indulge in this hobby. Um, there are people that don't. And, um, you know, when we are 
when you are worrying about how you're going to pay your mortgage or how you're going to feed your family, I'm sure Needlepoint is not on your list. So I'm incredibly, uh, feel very blessed um, and grateful that um, I'm able to enjoy this hobby because I know people, a lot of people in the world will never have the opportunity to do that. Um, but I don't have a chauffeur. That would be nice if I did. I could be so much more productive. Right? Or not. You think it would work, right? People who have chauffeurs, like, work in the back seat. Okay. I think it's fascinating. All right, let me know what you think about the 1974 article. Let's chat. Let's discuss. Needlepoint scoop, the needlepoint boom of 1974 and the needlepoint boom. There was like this COVID boom and there's like a whole other boom that I think is happening right now. So let's discuss needlepoint scoop. Let me know what you think. You can send me an email or send me a message or comment or whatever. Let's just talk, talk amongst your friends, continue this conversation. I love it. And I love you. Thank you so much. Um, like, love you. That was kind of, I mean, let's not be weird. Like, I love you in the, like, grandest, <laughs> like, I love all God's children. Love. That doesn't mean I'm not grateful for you. I do. I do love you. But, you know, I don't want to. Don't think I'm getting weird here. I'm not. Okay. I shouldn't have said it, but I did. But I do. Okay, everyone, thank you so much for listening to the first episode of Needlepoint Scoop. We'll be back next Wednesday, next Wednesday, with a new episode. Tell your friends and um, thanks for listening. Happy New Year, guys. See you next week. <laughs>